Let's go to the 26th verse of, of Isaiah 40. And this is actually this verse right here is what sparked this series. I was just in my own quiet time, my own devotional time, and I was reading this in Isaiah and decided to have a, you know, a series on it because of how good this one is. It says, lift. You can see I've highlighted lift. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who has created these? He who brings out their hosts by number and calls them all by name. We're going to expound this in a second. Through the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one of the uh, not one is missing or lacks anything. Your first feeling. God invites us to see at a whole different level. That if you go back to that verse, see is your is your feeling. Can you go back up to that verse for that says, "Lift up your eyes." What we uh, end up doing a lot of times in everyday life is that we look down in our eyes and we look at natural things and natural circumstances and what might be going on in the natural. And God says, I don't see that way. God sees the natural, but he always has something beyond the natural in the supernatural. He invites us to see that. He uh, calls them by name because he doesn't miss a thing. That if you look at that verse and he says that he, they filed out and he said, I called them by name, not because he's really good with names, but because he wants us to know that he doesn't miss a single thing. Your next fill in, what would happen if I could see as he does, not missing a thing? I have this feeling that my perspective on what I might be believing God for, what I might be experiencing, what I might be seeing that would be different if I saw things as he sees them. I like this verse out of Psalms that says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. <laughs> Are you serious? That God wants to confide in me? But the word says that God, the Lord confides in those who fear, fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. We, we should never be at a place where we walk around and say, I don't know God's heart. Because if I have to walk around and say, I don't know God's heart, that means I haven't been available to hear his heart. That I can never use the excuse, well, God's just not telling me. No, his word says that he wants to confide, confide in me. Have you ever had those times when that all of a sudden a solution didn't come through a booming, loud voice, but a solution came on the inside in a secret way, in a small voice, and all of a sudden you knew what you needed to know? Because he is strong, because the Lord is strong and powerful, I don't have to lack anything through him. Can you see already? That my perspective on everything that I face and deal with is different when I see it like he sees it. Isaiah 40 verse 28. Have you not known? I love this. And have you not heard? I like Isaiah. It's like, have you guys not heard? Have you not known? And then he just lays down just something awesome. That the everlasting God, the, cre the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not he is not faint, and he does not grow weary. There is no searching his understanding. You know, some people that say that they uh, don't quite understand what God's about. I, I 
readily say, I don't understand God. I don't want to understand God. I don't want to have a God that I can figure out. I want one whose ways are higher than my ways, whose thoughts are above my thoughts. And, and with that, knowing that he's the creator of all things, that your next feeling, I have an invitation. I have an invitation to come to the creator of everything. Taylor likes a, a certain a car company called Tesla. And, and it's made by, am I, am I saying this right, Elon Musk. What would happen, I will let me tell you what would happen, if all of a sudden Taylor received an invitation from the desk of Elon Musk that says, I want you to come to the Tesla, whatever they have, and meet me. I can tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be a trickle of pee going down Taylor's leg right here where he pees himself with excitement. Because <laughs> he has a little uh, an affection and affinity for Tesla, maybe SpaceX as well. By the way, I was reading a cool article on SpaceX the other day. What is it like when the creator of everything gives us an invitation to come and meet with him? And not just to come with, meet with him, but that he wants to reveal himself to us. I have, and you can make these statements, I have an open door with the one who made it all. That it's not a door that I have to test to see if I'm welcome in. It's not a door that I have to peek around the corner and see if he's in a good mood. It's not one that I could have to figure out if I've got everything right in my life and upstanding before I come into his presence. But I have an open door with someone who made it all. And here's the cool thing. He does not grow weary and he is not faint. Don't raise your hand, but maybe you're in the middle of a time right now where you're weary, where you're worn out. I'll tell you this, a lot of times I get worn out and it has nothing to do with physical. It has a lot to do with emotionally worn out or mentally worn out, or spiritually worn out. And every one of us face those times. But I, I, I like to know. It comforts me to know. It blesses me to know that he never is weary, and he never grows faint. In Psalms 121.4, it says, Indeed, he who watches over Israel, that he, never, he neither sleeps nor slumbers. They will never find God sleeping, that he's too, that he's too tired that he's not attentive, that he never sleeps or he never slumbers. That means that he is all, that, let me read my own thing. That means he is always full-time in my life. He's never, uh, what do you call it? He, he's never uh, indisposed. He's never unavailable. He's never, uh, we don't know where God is. Are you kidding me? That we, without a shadow of a doubt, every single person in this room can say that God is full-time in my life. He's a 24-7 God. He's a 365-day God. That means, I already said that one, he is committed to me even when I'm not aware. Have you ever had a time in your life when you didn't know what was going on? That you weren't, uh, what do you call it, aware that he was with you and somehow, some way, he showed up. He's working details of my life when I have no clue. Now, I want to encourage you in something because maybe you're facing an uncertainty in your life right now. Maybe there's something in your life where you don't see how the pieces will fit together. Maybe there's something in your life that you don't know if it will work out. And you can say with certainty and with great faith that my God will work out the details of everything concerning me. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. 
he does not grow weary, and he is not faint. That he never gets worn out by life. You may, I may. And, and as I mentioned just a second ago, every one of us will face that time. Those days, I, I said it today to a teacher. I, uh, we were standing in the hallway be, between passing periods, and I said, do you realize it is only Wednesday? <laughs> and I think I said it just like that. And she said, Wednesday. It feels like we've been here a month straight. Have you ever had one of those weeks, <laughs> those seasons in life? where it just seemed to never end or let up. He never grows weary. He never grows faint. He never is out of ideas and details. That he's working out the details of my life. He's never worn, he's, he never gets worn out on life. On the contrary, he's excited about what he's doing. What a thought. That God is not only working out details, but he's excited about the details that he's working out in your life. That if we could get, if we could see into the realm of the spirit and see where he is and see his mindset and see his ways and see his heart, you would see that he's not condemning you, that he's not trying to figure you out, that he's not trying, wondering what he's going to do with you or how he's going to fix you, but that he is in great excitement over everything pertaining to you because his heart knows what he's doing in you. He's excited about what he's doing in me. What happens, what would happen, I forgot, let me have you feeling that I'm jumping ahead. What would happen if I could see what he sees about me? We, you, you, we tend to have a, a tendency to feel sorry about ourselves, to uh, look at what we have or what we don't have, to look at things that, didn't turn out or aren't turning out how we thought that they should. And God doesn't see it that way. It's all right to have that from time to time. It's all right to experience that from time to time. But we should never stay in it. And that was a place where God's people were when Isaiah came on the scene and he said, and he announced to them, he said, our God is not weary. Our God does not grow faint. Our God doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber because he is actively involved. What would happen if I could see like he sees? Isaiah 40, verse 29, I love this. He gives power. I love this. But let me stand in front of this before you see it. Not only did he talk about his power, but he's about to let you know what he's going to do for you with his power. He gives power to the faint and weary, and to him who has no might, he prays for them. Is that what it says? And to one that has no might, he says, oh, well, maybe we'll be merciful toward them. To one that has no might, he tries to figure out how he's going to encourage you. No. The word of God says that him that has no might, he increases strength. The Amplified says that he causes it to multiply and making it abound. That I can say with absolute certainty that God's plan for my life and what he's doing inside of me is to give me power, his power working inside of me. That he plans on not just giving me enough, but the implication there is in Isaiah that he's going to multiply it and make it abound toward me more than I would ever need. Now, anybody in here that, um, I don't know, that you uh, like ice cream with whipped cream or cherries, what would happen if we had an ice cream, whipped cream party, and 
Melinda was in charge. Was Melissa even here to bring me torment her? And she had the whipped cream, and she just put just a little bit. Like, come on, sister. Load it on there. Let's, let's act like we got a bunch of bottles and that, and that we think that that's what God does. That he's just going to give us enough to get by. And about, I'm going to tell you where we're going with this. Just enough to wet our whistle. Just enough to make us irritated. And that's not, he, he said he would abound it toward us. I have a power source that's out of this world. That I don't have to uh, find my strength and my power on, in something or on something that is attached to this world. That he is the source. I have a power source that comes from another realm of resources. That God doesn't ask how the stock market's doing before he decides to bless you. God doesn't find out what popular opinion is about some, uh, some situation before he decides to speak into your life and bless you. That God doesn't have to figure out uh, if there's enough before he decides to bless you. If there's not enough, he'll create enough for you. That he's shouting over us, give them all we've got. That when it comes to your life, and I'm about to show you why, that heaven is not stingy. God's not some miser, you know, Scrooge, counting his pennies. Trying to figure out how he's going to keep his pennies from you. That true, the true wealth of God is, is not stingy, but extravagant. Say, Jonathan, how he, his love for us compels him to supply everything that we will ever need. That we can say without a with shadow of a doubt that he has given us forgiveness of sin. He has given us a, a, a way to heaven but it's a whole different thing to say that he can bless me with peace that I don't know what to do with. That he can give me joy that is indescribable and no one knows where it comes from. That he can give me hope that is beyond anything that I might be facing. And you say, Jonathan, how can you say that? Well, look in Philippians. It says, and my God shall supply every one of your needs according to the resources of the earth and what, the, what uh, nations are doing and how the union, UA and all. No, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I, I got this thought. I got a clipboard here and I got this thought. I meant to bring a pen up here. But I have this thought that, and maybe this will help you, that God carries around a clipboard with your information on it. Because, you know, people that are, have clipboards look important. If you don't think so, come into my, into my business, teaching school, and when administrators walk into your room with a clipboard, you start doing things right. <laughs> all the lesson that you were was sloppy about all of a sudden comes into perfect line and order. Because there's something on that clipboard. There's a standard on that clipboard. What, it would, what would it feel like if I started seeing God with the details of my life, that he is looking over my life on a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute, second-by-second basis, and he is fine-tuning all the details that he has conceived and written out for my life on a daily basis? It changes everything. Can I let you know that it takes away any reason I would have to live anything other than full joy? If he's really working out every single detail of my life, 
and watching over it faithfully, then what right do I have to be depressed or downtrodden? That's where the, where the strength comes from, amen? That God is taking constant inventory of my life and is ready to provide exactly what I need in every situation. Jonathan, you don't know the situation I'm in. He does. He knows every single detail about that situation. And not only does he know about it, he has a resource and a supply for you that is able to meet you exactly where you're at. I lost my place for a second. Oh, this, this, I like this. God in Romans, God, uh, Romans 8, God who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us a few things? Is that what it says? That if he didn't, if he didn't hold back and spare Jesus and gave Jesus on our account, who am I to say that he's holding back anything from my life? That I can safely look into his, into his face and say that you won't stop at any cost. Because you didn't even stop with Jesus. You didn't even stop with him. You gave him freely, and he gave him himself freely because that's how much we matter to you. Jesus proves that he will not withhold anything that we need. That any time in your life that you're facing something that's a lack, that seems to be scarce, that there doesn't seem to be enough, that you can boldly say, if he provided Jesus, he'll provide everything else that I need. If he provided Jesus, then he'll provide more peace than I know what to do with. If he provided Jesus, I'll have more joy in my life than, I, than, than is humanly possible. If he provided Jesus, I'll have more love in my life than I'll know what to do with. If he provided Jesus, I'll have more hope inside of me that it will bubble up into, into exceeding expectation. If he provided Jesus, there is nothing, there is nothing that I'm going to do without Lost my place for a second there. Isaiah 40, 30. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall feebly stumble and fall exhausted. That Isaiah recognized by the Spirit of God, he recognized that there would be times where even youth, they say, even what we would say would be strong and vivacious and full of life, even that type would be faint and weary. Though, uh, this thoughts, these are a little sobering right here, but hopefully this will help you. Those that don't reach out to him will be faint and be weary. That if I ever find myself in a place of being faint and weary, I promise you it's directly tied to Jonathan's ability to reach out to him in my life. But that's not you. You're not the one that grows faint and weary. Never, never say it's more than I can handle. Never say it's too much. Never say I don't have direction and don't know what to do. Never say I'm not going to make it out of this. Never say that I don't know what God's going to do in my life. Because he said, I will give you strength. And I'll cause it to multiply. And, and the thought is, the, the truth is that that strength, that that supply is not of me, but it's all of him.
So it will never be said of me that I will be weary and faint. You were actually designed to never be without hope. You were actually never designed to not have his help in every part of your life. Taylor, if you'll come on down. Verse 31, and this is one of the most famous verses in, in Isaiah 40. It says, but those who wait for the Lord, who expect and look for and hope in him. I'm going to switch sources real quick because this iPad's getting in my way. Let me read it again. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, they shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount in the, up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint or become tired. The question is, go back to the top before we finish out tonight, is that what is it to wait on God? Because a lot of us think that waiting on God is, the, is that uh, place of waiting, waiting for him to do something. And that's not the connotation, and that's not the context. One of the best ways, the easiest ways, the most effective ways of waiting on the Lord is waiting on the Lord like this. You're amazing in all your ways. You're perfect in all your ways. You're good to me in all your ways. I delight in you, and you delight in me. You lavish me with your love, and it is my good pleasure to respond in my love back toward you. Do you see how that when you let those things come out of your spirit, when you let those things come out of your soul, that there is no way that you can stay in anything other than the effective presence, and I'm jumping ahead, the effective presence of God and everything that he brings with him. And too many times we think that we're waiting on, and I like this, this thought right here, that those who wait on the Lord shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles. That something happens in the Spirit when I wait on the Lord. That something happens in the supernatural realm when I change what's coming out of my mouth when I change what's coming out of my spirit and when I change what, what, what those elements and how they affect the natural and the spiritual realm, I believe by the script, that last scripture that God says that I will change and exchange your strength. And the way that I see it is that he now is in front of me. The, the, one of the songs that we sang tonight, the last one that Taylor is off of a brand new album by a church called The Belonging. And another song on there is by uh, uh, Lauren, somebody help me with the last name, Dangle, that is Peace Be Still. And one of the reasons I like the song Peace Be Still is because it goes back to the story in the Bible where a storm was raging. And Jesus spoke to the storm, just like Michelle prayed over Yarlin tonight. Jesus spoke to the storm and said, peace, be still. And I have this that hangs above my desk at home. And I love the image of it. I, look, I see it every day. 
but it's Jesus walking on the water. Now, in one of, in one of the stories, that Jesus is walking on the water in a storm. And I don't know if this is this depiction of it or not. But it comforts me to know that even though the storm may rage and the circumstances may appear overwhelming and the situation may seem that all hell is breaking loose naturally and emotionally, that he is still from Isaiah going before me. And I like the thought that he's not moved by the storm. I like the thought that he's not moved, that, that Jesus in this situation found a realm of his father's presence because he knew Isaiah and said, I have a source of strength and power that is not tied to any resources of this world in so much that Jesus defied physics and walks on stuff that should drown him. And I just don't think that it was kind of a hobby of Jesus. I think that he was showing something to us. That he was showing us that everything, everything, including the properties of water, are tied to the authority and the presence of his Father. And whatever I'm facing, whatever you're facing, that he goes before it, Lord already over it. That waiting on him focuses on him and not me. Because Jonathan has a really good ability to focus on Jonathan instead of waiting on the Lord. And a lot of times... My waiting involves this on my wrist. (laughs) That when, God? How much longer, God? How long has it been, God? And I don't think that God is interested an iota on my timetable. Not once has he had me make a timeline and have me fill in and give him counsel, as we've seen in earlier scriptures of Isaiah, and give him counsel on where I think he should be and what he should be doing and what he should have fulfilled and where I should be and what I should have and all the things and all the things that I believed and me tapping on my watch. I have not once been approached by the presence of God and been asked to supply him with a timeline. But according to Isaiah, he says, your job is not to point out where things are or where they're not. Your job is to wait upon me. That he said, it would do you good and would do you well if you found yourself where my son found me and that you find yourself exalting me in the midst of whatever And in exalting me in the midst of whatever, he said, I will then supply the strength that you need. I will exchange my strength when I I change my expectation of what I want in everything. That here's the interesting part. And I know this goes against what some people think and teach. 
is that God is not interested in my expectation. Because my expectation that stands by itself and is not in coordination with his will is inconsequential to God. He's waiting for me to exchange my strength. And when I exchange my strength, then my real expectation will line up with his strength and with his heart. And not where I think it should be. The secret is closeness in his presence. Have you ever had that time in your life, and maybe you're having it right now, where you thought, what in the world is going on around me and in me and about me? And all it is, be, all it is doing, it is pushing you and shoving you and propelling you toward his presence. That it, it, sometimes in my life, and even recently, where I've been like, this is one more thing, God, that I'm having to trust you with. And I have this feeling that he is sitting upon his throne and listening to my little bald head say, God, this is one more thing that I have to trust you with. And he says, you're absolutely right. When I see things like he does, I have his perspective that will never cause me. There's the key to grow weary or faint. I can't have his eyes and be weary and faint. I can't have his strength and be worn out and exhausted. I can't have his heart and be full of uncertainty and wonder. It doesn't happen. But the opposite happens. When I have his heart, I know his ways. When I have his strength, I have his peace and his, and his power. That he is wanting and able to supply that to us without measure by his goodness. In Jesus' name.